Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. You're here with your host, Auntie Vice, and it's great to be back. Today, I have two folks from the podcast world joining me. I've got Charles Tyson and Mark the Madrigal from the Full Circle podcast, which covers all the headlines in the queer world. And because we have a running fuck Ron DeSantis on the show, I figured they were perfect to have on. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Fuck Ron DeSantis. In the ear. In the ear, at (laughs) least. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Hi. It's good to have you on. I've been listening to your show for a while. It's great. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So you guys talk all thing queer headlines. What has been your obsession lately? (laughs) You know, I my biggest obsession is making sure we have good news every week. Mm, that mm-hmm. that honestly you know we are following all of this hateful trans legislation we are following the ways that they're escalating this bullshit across the country but again my my obsession and and one of the reasons we called this full circle really is you know trying to keep it all in perspective you know we do not highlight all of it believe me you know we we go through so much news all week you know the the mainstream news but we also you know take a good look at the advocate and out and lgbtq nation and toll road and pink news google alert for everything lgbtq yeah so you know we look at all of it and we try to process all of it and then we just decide what you know what would we be talking about anyway because this our podcast really is you know here we are today in our dining room and it really is a conversation between the two of us you know Mm -hmm. um, unless we have a guest uh just talking about the news that interests us or fascinates us or, you know, one of us has questions because this is our relationship is a very intersectional one. You know, I am white and trans. Charles is black and cis. True. Uh, we are both queer as fuck. And, you know, gaining that perspective is is just a part of sitting at our table. You know, when there's black news that I don't quite understand or know how to process. And the same thing happens when there's trans news. Um, and Charles is like, you know, I don't know how to feel about this. And so we talk about it. We talk about it. Yeah. So it it really is this onslaught of legislation. The most important thing I can say about this is, you know, this is of the moment. Most of it, if if we become obsessed with something, it should be Chase, Strangio's, 
mental health because he is the amazing trans man who's the lawyer for the ACLU, who is just playing whack-a-mole all over this country, and he's winning. And that's, you know, that's what I really want people to know. He there this shit will not stand. Right. It, you know, the problem is that it stands for a little while. And, you know, interrupting someone's care even for a day is really not okay. It's not cool. And um, you know, and and it can cause some serious mental health crisis. So, you know, I, I'm with my peeps. I really, really am. But I'm also like, please stay off the ledge please stay out of the comment section stay stay out of the comment section you know i'm a, i'm a big advocate for reading the news i don't watch news you know unless it's maybe a a, a state of the union i get my news by reading it i get it i try to get it and process it early in the day um and then that's not all we do we're both very heavily involved in the arts and you know even if it's just tv and then we talk about that but um, you know, balance is so important. Balance is so important because you really can um, get lost in just all of this hateful nonsense. And, you know, it, it fucks with your head. Yeah. It's meant to. Right. By the way. So. People be crazy. <laughs> and it, it really is. And, and I fuck Ron DeSantis, you know, by yes. the way. And fuck Ron. Yes. Uh, there's just. He's such a dick. Um, but, you know, we're we're all old enough, um, barely, to have lived through the Reagan administration. Oh, I did. And yes, I did. We're still paying for right, it, by the way. Mm -hmm. We are. We are. Uh, Reagan made everything worse. But I like to remind, especially the younger queers out there, that we have been through equally dark times. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still here. And they never made us go away. Yeah, you know, you can't yeah. stop the beat. I, mm -mm. I I wrote a piece not that well, a few months back, and I said this is not my first pandemic. And you know, I survived a president who took how many years to even say the word AIDS, mm -hmm. or or talk about it publicly, or use you know his position of power in any you know measurable way. That's why I fuck him and Nancy. By the way, yeah. you know, Rock Hudson was a dear friend of theirs and like, oh, well, right. um, yeah. it was just so hypocritical of them as a couple out of Hollywood who had, a you know, a whole lot of gay friends and knew a whole lot of gay people to have towed their party line and erased us in the ways that they did. And, you know, it did yeah. bring us act up and the, the fabulous Larry Kramer, who never wanted to shut his mouth. And I love him. Yeah. But yeah, this was not our first rodeo. Not at all. No, it's why my favorite line from Justin Vivian Bond is the worst day of my life was the day John Hinckley missed. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, we're still paying for what that man dismantled. We're still paying for the decisions he made around mental health care in this in this country. We're still paying for so much. And, and by the way, we lost an entire generation of gay men. You know, we don't have a whole lot of 60-year-olds right now because they're dead. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's so hard to look at. Like, we, we don't have a ton of gay elders. So, uh, speaking of elders and in the news, good old Alice Walker raised her head again with her, her pro-turf defense and calling herself an elder in the community. Really? Really? That's unsettling. I did not catch this. 
oh, I saw the the looks of you too, and I knew that you. No, she came out and said, "Well, I take my role in this community as an elder as very responsible," and then goes on this huge turf rant, and you know, we don't burn witches even when we disagree with them in defense of rallying and all that bullshit. Talking about wow. gender confusion. Wow. Okay. That's that makes me sad. Well, just because you're a good writer doesn't make you a good person. It doesn't. We we've shown that over and over again. Like there's huh? there are a lot of really great artists that are really shitty people. I, you I know, started to use JK as an example, then I realized well, she's not that good. I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I am never going to understand. And I God, it's infiltrated even really, really smart lesbians who I've known for a very long time who I absolutely respect, respect their work, respect it. And, and, you know, they'll even say, well, and it's like, wait a minute, did I fundamentally misunderstand feminism all these years? Did I, or are you now sitting here reducing yourself to, to a set of genitals? Are you not doing what I thought we were fighting? Is that like, did, did everything turn upside down or is it me? You know? I am routinely surprised at how cis people are obsessed with other people's genitals. I know. Like, it it's blows my mind because as somebody who works in sex education, where I'm actually paid and a, a substantial part of my work is understanding genitalia and playing right. with dildos and all of that fun stuff. Sure. I think about it less, I think, than most cis people do. I think that's true. Yeah. For both of you, why do you think there's so much focus on genitalia, especially penises? Like penises are the big, because we never worry about trans guys or in the the men's room. Like right. you'd think they don't pee with the amount of of coverage it's gotten compared to trans women in women's rooms. Well, right. I, first of all, I want to say you know your your problem and your fears are based around cis men, and you know, it, in large part, I often agree with you that's where most of our problems come from right that said yeah i don't know i've, I've taken to calling calling them children's genital fetishists because i have absolutely it, it stuns me it stuns me that they are so obsessed with the genitalia of children let alone adults but children right. and it's like you know we've existed forever we're not going anywhere. Some cultures celebrate us. And apparently you don't have a fundamental understanding of what estrogen does to a body. First of all, you know, and, and that that's not to say that's how you become legitimately trans because there is no such thing. There is no such thing. But, you know, all of this, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I'm, you know, cis men have an obsession with penises theirs and everyone else's what does it look like what does it do uh who does it do it to is, who's is bigger whose isn't and you know there's a good chunk of the cis male population whose entire personality is defined by penises so you know that's automatically where the mind goes and then you have the whole situation where i always say we don't raise our boys to become men we raise them to not be women mm -hmm. so anything that's considered feminine 
is not desirable because, you know, it doesn't have a penis. Why do you want that? You know, and so it's all tied in. This obsession is all tied into misogyny and, you know, poor potty training. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. But, the, you know, they've built our identity around genitalia, around sex. And that's how they've always dismissed us. Like, this shit is not new. They've always said the queer community is about who you have sex with. And it's like, eh, it's more than that. You know, that's, that's, you know, there's an interesting article right now about Brendan Fraser, and we're going to talk about it on, at, at our next recording, you know, cause he kind of said, yes, I played a gay character, but that really wasn't, I don't know if he said that wasn't fundamental. Like there's this bigger thing and it's like, oh honey, yes. The fact that the character was gay was the, you know, the fact that society caused him to marry a woman to begin with, to try to lead a cis, you know, straight life. He failed miserably, fell in love with another man, lost his family. That's a queer story, honey. Right. Mm -hmm. And to say that his queerness was not, didn't affect the character is really to dismiss the lived experience of queer people everywhere. Right. Because you can't tell that story without understanding, you know, those things don't happen to cis people. Right. They don't happen to straight people. Happen to be gay. You know, he just happened to be left-handed. Shut the fuck up. Right. (laughs) Right. But, you know, not that they, yeah, everybody gets divorced. Fine. I'm sorry. Can I say fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we, we have lots of (laughs) explanations. Good. We started the Good. show with fuck Ron DeSantis. So that's true. We right. Did. We did. We see, we try to watch our mouths now for one uh-huh. simple reason. We do a little bit. You do. We, we do a little bit because we're rebroadcast on Medway pride radio in the UK every week. And somebody has to sit there and bleep us. Somebody has to listen to our entire episode and decide what is and is not radio appropriate. And I feel bad for them. Like I've, I'm, you know, and so I try, I try to try. I try. Sometimes I'll say, you know, don't fluff with me. Like I come up with little things that I think will make it past. It has made me more aware of my Fox, but it's still my favorite word. It's still my favorite. Sometimes the only word that is appropriate is fuck. So yeah, I, I just you know I, I it's interesting because there's so there are intersections with the king community and the queer community. There are intersections. Are they different? Yes, I think that they are. Um, mm-hmm. I've, you know, identity. I, I haven't found a word my king friends appreciate. Like I was using the word proclivity for a while, and they were like, "Hmm, I'm not sure." I'm like, I my whole thing is just if you can put it down, mm-hmm. maybe it's not your identity. You know, and, and, you know, we have some focus on the elder community that we do have and how hard it can be to have housing, right. As they age, you know, and, and some of them end up in nursing homes and they end up back in the closet and their fundamental identity is not being respected. And it's like, that's, we've got all that going on too. So yeah, there, there's, but of all the kinky fuckers I know. None of them are as obsessed with genitalia as Republicans. And I don't know. Oh, my I God. Think, yeah. Yeah. I think it's trying to live this, quote unquote, moral life 
and read the Bible and pretend they don't have sex or they don't enjoy it or they don't, you know, as the most queer sex, you know, where the butt sex is actually happening the most in the straight community. Yeah, Yeah. in the straight community, they do a lot more butt fucking than the queers because there's a lot more straight butts. That's just true. It's like, but we're the ones who are condemned, you know? Plus, there's this whole, this seems to be this whole philosophy on the right wing of like, somewhere someone's having a good time and I don't like it. Right. (laughs) Right. That's how it feels. And it's like, so you wind up with this hypocrisy. So you wind up with them hiding so much. And that's, that's, Mm -hmm. it's a recipe for hiding pedophilia. It's a recipe for hiding that. Because they don't have conversations. (laughs) I think it was Halinka who pointed it out that if you watch To Catch a Predator, it's pastors, you know, fathers, Boy Scout troop leaders. In Coaches. all the decades that show was on, not one fucking drag queen. Not no. one. Not one. Shea Coulee said that. Yeah. Shea Coulee said oh, is that. that she yeah, was yeah. the one that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was, there's all this obsession. And when you repress that, of course you repress the ability to talk about what has happened and to give kids the words to say, this is not okay. Right. 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 And a whole thing around purity culture, too. Like somehow it's, such a shame to express desire and to be okay in your body. It's all about divorcing you from your body. Anti-queer is divorcing you from your body because if you actually get into what you, where you live and what your identity is, you have to connect with your body. And there's so much repression that you can't do that if you're in this super conservative world. Absolutely. And, you know, but it's not that those men aren't having sex with other men because of course they are. They just feel really, really bad about it later, and they don't tell their... I mean, that's one of the ways HIV spread to straight women is, you know, their husbands are on the down low. Their husbands are out there raw-dogging whoever, the neighbor, Jim, and, you know, Mm -hmm. and and he brings home gifts. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, but if you have... Right, where you have an open relationship that's built around consent that's built around mutual respect and telling the truth you don't have these issues Mm -hmm. you don't you have other ones but you don't have that and i also notice every time the republican national convention comes (laughs) to a town grinder in that town shuts down basically overloaded (laughs) within minutes yep yep no yeah i mean if you want to know who they're you can't deny it Right. right. We all know who they're having sex with, and it's not really their wives. Mm-hmm. We know this. No. Yeah. We know this. I Many just, of us I, are getting paid for it. We know it. And it's and like keep hoping some rent boy will finally, you know, sack up and out right? all of these fuckers they've been doing in DC. Right. You know, I really, really, really uh, Lindsey Graham in those NDAs must be ironclad. Li- Lindsey Graham must have such a huge checkbook. That's all I can figure out. Because oh, yeah. really, all these years, like not one mouthy rent boy, not one, not one who went, oh, fuck all of this. Like, I, and I really don't believe there haven't been it. I just, I, my mind doesn't, I'm creative, but not that creative. Right. Well, yeah, there's just not that many people who can keep their mouth shut without a lot of uh, financial prompting. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of financial prompting. 
I mean, hell, he's known as Miss Lindsay in D.C. Like, yep, right. everybody yep. knows. Everybody yeah. knows. And, you know, and there is a part of me that's like, and we shouldn't shame people. But see, that that's, I draw the line. If you are legislating against me, yes, I will out you. Oh, right. if I had mm-hmm. the evidence, oh, please. Yes, absolutely. And he that's likes a, it like this. He likes when I do this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, because you don't get to legislate against us. You don't get to harm right. us in one hand and then fuck us with the other. Like, you just, no. No. Other, other than that, yes, absolutely. I respect confidentiality all day, every day for a whole lot of individuals. But for that, no. Mm-mm, don't You don't want me to know. There's always an extra hundred in it for me when I bring the icy hot. That's all I know. <laughs> right, right. Like that kind of stuff. Like, oh my God. Oh my no, God. that's I years ago. God, it's almost 30 years ago. And I, Michelangelo Sr. really got a ton of shit for outing some very prominent folks because he was a gossip uh-huh. column writer in, in New York and stuff at the time. Yeah. And there was this huge debate in the queer community of do you out it? And it's like, when you are in a powerful position and you're using it to oppress, of course you fucking out them. Right. That is my one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my one exemption to the rule. Like, do you out people? Do you out people randomly who are not harming the community? Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, like Ted Haggart, did I shed a tear over that? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> You know, hypocrisy is just, it, it's such a cancer. It's such a cancer. And, and you know, none of them have ever learned that it comes back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. And not in that way that but you they pay don't for. Even, they don't even care. That's the hard part. They, they, you know, they get so wrapped up in this nonsense. And, you know, it's going to be interesting, I think, to see if, if people are starting to wake up at all. Like when you have, those three top Fox News people, mm. all, you mm-hmm. know, and their texts between one another are are released. It's like they think you're fucking idiots. They think you're morons. Yeah. The producers think you're morons. They know they're lying to you, and and that's their business. They've admitted mm-hmm. it under oath. So is yeah. Rupert Mur- Murdoch for that, you know, matter. So now that that's you know, like we we pulled back the curtain. Now that we've done that. Are people finally going, but I believe them or, or do they not care? Like I, how can you not take pause with that? You know, in their own words, they're calling you an asshole yeah. in their own words among each other. And, and I've, I have said this for years, like they don't even believe their own bullshit, get them alone when they're not being recorded. A lot of these politicians, they'll tell you. Well, the party mm-hmm. line is this, you know, look me in the eye and tell me that. Tell me you believe that, right. especially if you know me, you know, that that trans people are suddenly evil. Tell me that. Right. There's just money in the fear. So that's why they peddle it. Right. And, yeah. and you know, it's been a, it's been a real problem for as long as we've had Fox News. I mean, I grew up with Walter Cronkite. I grew up with, you know, the, they did their best job to tell you the truth. I mean, you know, it's not like life was a panacea in the 70s, but uh, we didn't have this. Right. Right. The truth still meant something. Yeah. And 
we weren't so inundated as we are now. I mean, also, also true. Yeah, also true. It makes a difference. So in the midst of all of this bad news, and you guys, you know, read it because it's part of your show, whereas some of us can avoid it when we're having a very shitty week. Right. Sure. Sure. How do you how do you find ways to replenish yourself and find ways to keep plugging through all of it? Because it can become very toxic. Well, finding um, finding the good news is a big part of it. You know, it does keep your you're able to keep your head up knowing that, you know, it's not all shit. You know, there are actual thinking, feeling human beings out there who are doing positive things for the world. That's one thing that definitely helps. Right. It does. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and part of following the news also like DeSantis, you know, if you follow long enough, you find out he really is just a blowhard fascist and like all the kerfuffle around Disney, he won nothing. They still have their special tax district. He got to name different people to the board that like, quote unquote, oversees them. That's all. That was his only win in that whole thing. But if you just take the words that come out of DeSantis's mouth, you think, you know, uh, I don't know, Mickey's doing sick Kyle, but it's not that it's not that <sighs> like nothing. There was no big win for the governor of Florida where where fighting with Disney was concerned. And yet the public story is. So if you only get a little bit of news, mm -hmm. that can be really dangerous. Right. The sound bites. We laugh yeah. a lot. You know, we just the two of us laugh a lot. We have really great close friends and we laugh a lot. You know, we do. Charles does work in performing arts. So we, you know, we also have dance. We also have, you know, a, a, a theater subscription for, for the little theater around the corner, you know, and we, we spend a lot of time with artists. We spend a lot of time, you know, just getting outside of this stuff and, you know, reconnecting with each other and loving each other. And it's also really important to understand your life, right? So are these things happening? Yes. Are they upsetting in the moment yes maddening is that how i live my life no are my neighbors you know coming onto my lawn with pitchforks no she most of them wave if they happen to make eye contact a few of them don't you know there's rainbow flags everywhere like it's no secret who we are or where we are yeah, you can approach our house from any angle without seeing at least one. Yeah, but but <laughs> but you know, we think about how we live. We walk our dog. You know, we mm -hmm. most of the time can go to the local bar and have a drink together without incident or go out to lunch or whatever. And I I think gratitude is such an important part of yes. just it, it, we should all have it built into our routine. You know, it should be how we go to sleep and it should be how we wake up and you can rewire your brain. Like it took me a long time to realize my script would start playing as I was waking up, you know, what I wasn't doing. Did you just sleep in you, you know, you pig, you haven't gotten any of these things done today. And it's like, wait a minute. I love you. I forgot. I love you to myself.
And then you've got me going, hey, don't talk about my baby like that. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> but but it's 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 the internal thing, right? That we don't, mm-hmm. you know, and meditation for me helps a lot. It helps me to really just separate, really take that time between stimulus and response, response, really be able to observe the thought patterns and see how they come and go and see that, you know, there's this really ugly voice that was just built in when I was really little. And it, it didn't start to go away until I made peace with the fact that it was there and I could start to see it and recognize it and sort of objectively say, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if you are busy being your own best friend, and then you have a best friend, I mean, we love each other. We we realized, you know, we've been together for 10 years. We were friends for 10 years. And, you know, it took, we went through the pandemic. We first of all, we ran a business together for five years. So we were constantly in one another's company and we didn't kill each other. <laughs> and then <laughs> the pandemic happened. So we're living in an apartment with no outdoor space in the city above our closed shuttered bar with one another 24 seven. And you remember that first year. I mean, before we had the vaccines, there was just like, we stayed in, we went out every Mm -hmm. two weeks to get some groceries and, you know, and then that was it, you know, and we talked Mm -hmm. to people on the phone or, or via text or Facebook or whatever, but we didn't kill each other. We got closer. You know, so finally last year I went, look, if you want to still ask me to marry you, because I would just say, don't, please don't. Mm-hmm. The is going to be, no, I suck at marriage. And he's like, well, first of all, maybe stop marrying women. That was, let's maybe that start sem- there. seemed to be the common problem. And I'm like, I'm I, just, I, you know. all right, that's, that is fair. <laughs> but I like finally, no shade, but. <laughs> I, I finally realized there's not much we haven't been through together, and we've we've just been here for one another. And this is the easiest adult relationship I've ever had, romantic relationship that I've ever had, where you know I don't feel compelled to lie about anything because I don't have to. You know, we we can actually literally talk about anything, and that's been so freeing. And I finally said, "All right, go ahead," but that's the ring, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and so we've been engaged for more than a year. I mean, you know, uh, but that helps when you work with your best friend and you live with your best friend and you still have a whole lot of people around you, um, that is community and community is so important. You know, I sit each week with a group of trans folk. The group is called Transway, and we're part of the William Way Community Center in Philadelphia. And that before the pandemic, that was an in-person group, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe, maybe a half dozen people, maybe less, some pizza, um, who, you know, folks who could get to center city and get to the center for the meeting. And then what happened with the pandemic was it expanded, you know, because there were no barriers to entry anymore. So because it was on zoom, you know, yeah. it wasn't about having mm-hmm. to drive there or take the bus there or worry about parking or any of that you know, mobility issues suddenly are not an issue. So it really is wherever you are, you can call in, you know, and, and so it's a weekly thing. And you have, and, um, it's global now, right? 
we're global. We've got Australia, we've yes. got Seattle, we've got the West Coast. We've got yeah, we've got folks from kind of everywhere. It is larger now, but you know, I was talking to one of the one of our, our kind of our trans babies um, who was really, really in, in a, just a dark place uh, because they came out as transmasculine, and the the lesbian community they were surrounded by kind of abandoned them. And this is by far not all lesbians, you know, at all. But it ha- it just so happened. The ones that she were closest to happened to also be really turfy and you're not real. And, you know, what? what is the difference, you know, between a bull dyke and a trans man? Well, one's a man and one's not. That's Let's start mm-hmm. there. But anyway, you know, we've really held space. But at one point I said, first of all, my dear, you need better lesbians. You just do. You know, um, because that's that's some garbage and it's some garbage. I think over time they will regret because it's not helping women. None of the turfy shit is helping women. It's not helping Mm -hmm. queer women. Uh, You know, it's not helping anyone. It is harming my community. It absolutely is. It it is hurting trans people. Um, There's no question and no, no doubt. And, you know, but it's not helping women. It's it's women reducing themselves to their own genitalia. It's like, I, I, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, and and nobody can pass the turf test for womanhood a hundred percent. We see this with our athletes. There's a number of athletes now, and they're like, "Well, your natural level of testosterone is too high to qualify you as a woman." That part, and it's right. like, what? Yes. Yeah. According to who? Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, that you have states passing laws uh, about sports and often there's not one kid to point to. Right. They're not one. This is a hypothetical situation. Right. In the event that we wind up with a trans person, there's a law now. Right. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know, and then they want to fight. About- but let's not do shit about guns. Thank you. Well, and that it keeps coming back down to that. Thank you. You know, like they want to fight puberty blockers, but it's like, you know what? If a kid has been expressing who they are, you know, for years and then decides that puberty blockers are appropriate with their parents and their healthcare provider, of course, now we don't have those issues of that trans girl playing because she never does go through a male puberty. So everything that is your argument goes away. And that's, and and you don't have to look too far to say, well, this is just about fucking with trans people because none of it makes any sense. None of it makes any sense. You know, Leah Thomas, you know, played for Penn or or swam for Penn. And that was a major international kerfuffle. And it's like, but she met all of the standards that the sport set out and she's a very good swimmer but she's not breaking all records she's not there's no argument that can be made that she is somehow genetically uh superior to all the cis women that swim faster than her you know unlike oh i don't know michael phelps Uh who is genetically a fucking fish right the man has everything but gills you know, the arm span, the whole that, like, he has this condition uh, of his birth that really does give him an advantage in the water over pretty much anyone he swam against. And nobody ever 
raised a question of fairness. Well, that's not, not unfair. Once. That's just talent. Right. And yet you have people like Caitlyn Jenner saying Leah Thomas didn't deserve the medal for the one race she won. She lost too, but we don't talk about that. Yeah. Well, I remember, uh, you know, it was a few years ago um, in North Carolina when it was a cis woman. She beat all the, the male wrestlers and, you know, I was like, well, won't this kill that whole argument? It should. But, you know, it's I can I kept waiting for that to be an example. And no, but they're they're not the stories that feed the narrative. Right. You know, I, it's just like when you say, well. They're not messing with trans men, are they? They're not, you know, they're not because the, the fairness arg- argument kind of goes out the window. In most yeah. cases, um, you know. And There's no worry about trans men playing baseball. We're not freaking out about that. But trans women in softball, not. oh, my God, that's going to ruin the sport or whatever. Right. And and again, it's that condemnation. How would anyone intentionally give up their God-given biological masculinity? Right. Well, honey, I, never, I mean, that, you know, it's it's just such a reductive argument. It's mm-hmm. so reductive because, again, it's saying... You are genitalia. Right. That is all you are. And that decides how you'll be. And that's never been true. Never. Never in the history of ever has that been true. And speaking as a cis male, it's it's not that damn great. You know, it's like, I don't understand why. Right. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. You know, but, it know. has its moments. It's, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but, but this idea that all of our identity and all of mm-hmm. our humanity springs from, you know, what a doctor decided they saw and what it meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it makes makes my head spin sometimes because that's not the reality. And it reminds me of the parallels of when we were trying to, to define race in the U.S. So then we came up with all of the different ways to segment out what portion of black you were so you had <laughs> quadroons and octroons and you know, oh, yeah. we came up with all that we're all yeah that we're all that we legally had definitions for that we allowed census takers through 1970 to when they went door to door if you said you were one race and they thought you looked something else they could change it on your form like we were yeah. trying to figure out how do we figure out this in between because we're not good with the in between as not. a country, as a humanity. And Charles so it's like, well, yeah. Like, why, 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 when did the binary become so essential to a thriving society? You right. know, what, what's it so comes down to legal standard, right? Because when you have either or, you can discriminate. Well, when you right. have that middle realm, it's like, well, if we say, you know, women aren't allowed to do X, Y, and Z, and then all of a sudden you have this middle group, what the fuck are we going to do with that, right? right. You know? Yeah. Um, because if we have trans people who are not in the binary of defining themselves, then what the fuck are we going to do with everybody in the middle, right? right. If we want to discriminate in black versus white, and then you get mixed kids, where are we going to go with that? Like, legally, you end up with questions where you cannot divide a hard and fast line we're not good with that as a country yeah we are not we want yeah we want it cut and dried we want answers and we 
by and large require someone to other someone to look down on someone to say that i am better than you because and i guess that's part of our inherent need to be self-destructive yeah i mean so much of it is fear-based so much of it is fear-based yeah because i thought about them like if all of us one day woke up and we were all the same shade same hair color same height i guess like the people with rounder noses would have a problem with the people with pointier noses or something you know well that you said the star-bellied sneetches right the dr seuss book i love that book Mm -hmm. i love that book because you know there's a machine now that because the star-bellied sneetches were the the really important ones. So somebody came in with a machine that put stars on your belly. Now everybody was the same. So then the the real star-bellied sneeches started to get two stars, and it, it just you know all of that insanity really did speak to racism. It really spoke to mm-hmm. you know the ways that we categorize one another, and 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 the ways that that keeps us from seeing someone's humanity. And it was such a poignant story, considering that the author was himself a racist anti-Semite. But except, right, except a broken clock is right twice. A day. Well, right, and and <laughs> Harry Potter was arguably, you know, some of the best uh, young adult literature ever created. Doesn't change the fact that the, the you know the creator is awful, but right. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think the same can be said about Theodore Geisel. Yeah, probably. Because he did come up with some really wise stuff and package it well. Yeah. You know, that was really wise. And I used to love those stories. I loved them. Um, and I loved reading them to my kids because it was like, yeah, get it? Do you get it? And so we you guys are, it. so you bring up literature and stuff. You guys are into arts and, 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 and the arts. Where are you seeing the best representation of our stories right now? Queer stories. Huh. Hmm. The best representation. The example that's jumping to my mind, um, uh, sort of. There's a series on HBO called Sort of, and there is uh the main character, uh Sabi, I believe they're I think name it's is. Sabi, is non-binary. Non-binary Pakistani Muslim. And going through uh, their journey of, of, you know, discovery with, am I trans? Am I non-binary? The devout family dealing with it. And especially the second season, there was not a binary to be found in that cast. It was so interesting because, you know, it was things that like folks that I'd never seen before. And, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people and I was just like, oh, check this out. So that's one of the first things that jumps to mind. A lock is another one. Is, am I saying it right? Is it a loke? A lock? A-L-O-K as another non-binary artist. Uh, I want to say primarily performance art, but, you know, a real representation of, you know, just the fabulousness that can be queerness um, unapologetically looking at criticism as a gift, you know, and, and um, really just sort of challenging a lot of assumptions. It's, it's not a question you can answer broadly because some folks are getting it right. They're beginning to, right. You know, Mm -hmm. so there are these little mainstream things that are, that are coming out that are, that are kind of cool. Apple TV just did a series. What was that one called? 
Um, and it was good. Oh, um, it was good. Some like out. There's a out. play on the word out or something. Something like that. But it was this the you know this series on on queer folks uh, that Apple TV produced, and it was I liked it. I enjoyed it. You know, because it was informational and it was talking about history and it was talking about, you know, um, us. So it's happening, but, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't say turn to Hollywood because we're also still, you know, not getting it right all the time. We still need a straight man to right. have a gay story win an Oscar. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost like, you know, like when you look at mainstream media, you would think there's not a trans person with a brain in their head. Right. And yet we have so many brilliant writers. We're not getting airtime. We're not being brought on as experts. You know, the, the New York Times had who was it Jennifer Finney Boiler, maybe that, you know, they had her for years and they got rid of her. And it's like, oh, well, you're one trans voice. You know, I, I mean, that's crazy to me, but it happens. I think in the visual arts, you always have great queer artists. Oh, yeah. You know, certainly in visual, certainly in dance. We're seeing a lot of really cool stuff in Philadelphia anyway, where, you know, the the binary is being challenged and queerness is being celebrated. And uh, Gunner, Montana, we went to. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Gunner's been around for a little while. Very gay. I still he him right yeah yeah still he him very gay uh very fabulous yes and did this uh show called bathhouse and it was this anytime an artist says the, you know my my production is an immersive experience i always cringe a little bit because <laughs> it's not <laughs> you know what i mean like no it's not uh i wanted to go through my email for half of your performance like you know good on you but no it wasn't this really was yeah. We felt like we were all kind of sitting in a bathhouse and the performances were incredible and the cast was so diverse. Yeah. And, you know, it was gay, straight, black, white. Yeah, absolutely. Non-binary, uh, you know, this fabulous woman of size. Yes. Of size. And, you know, her, uh, she comes out of burlesque, but, you know, she absolutely belonged there. You know, she absolutely owned that stage while she was on it. And it was just such an incredible thing to watch. And the whole so, thing was so hot. <laughs> it was warm in there. Yeah, it was no, warm. Not, and, no, oh, hot, hot, hot. It was very hot. It really was. It's like people um, was barely clothed and climbing on things and each other. And just well, and you know, <laughs> dancing in the air. <laughs> tend to have, you know, to be centered in their bodies and to know their bodies. And, to, and it was just beautiful to watch. So it's always there. Um, Montana is one to watch. He's going to be a, a national sensation before we know. I mean, on social media, it already is. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I think if you look for it, there's more to find than ever. Mm. There's still not enough for my taste. Everything is not, you know, doesn't make me happy, which that's why we always talk pop culture because, you know, what was the what we we uh, oh the book of queer the oh, book yeah, of yeah. queer i had heard about and heard about and heard about and it was on discovery plus so we finally got the little six seven day free trial of discovery plus mm -hmm. uh primarily because one of my kids is uh battle bots one of my oh, yeah. you know trans kids was on a team and doing yeah. battle bots and I, and I wanted to see at least one episode so i could say i did and then I watched the book of queer and 
it was absolutely not my cup of tea. I still don't know who their audience was. There were a whole lot of queer people um, involved. Yeah, Leslie Jordan, Margaret Cho, Dominique Jackson, right? Uh, Ross Matthews. Those are the names that are on the top of my Yeah, head. but there were real moments that felt kind of like gay minstrel. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. real too over the top, too yes, queen. And it's like, but that's not who we all are. Right. You know, and it all had that slant. And it was kind of drunk history. What did I say? Drunk history meets drag race. Drag race is kind of oh, what okay. There are a bunch of drag race queens that were like talking heads in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. And the information, because like they talked about like. Um, but I was just, I just kept saying, who's it for? Like queer, queer rulers in history, uh, uh, rebellions, uh, scientific advancement, like the information that was put forth was actually very good, but it was all in this comedic campy, like, you know, uh-huh. yes, mama, okay, kind of thing. And it's like, like we said, maybe we weren't the target audience because, you know, sometimes I just, I, I, we don't need all that. Oh, right. So the Apple TV was called Visible Out Visible. on Television. That's what it was. And Jan- Janet Mock, Margaret Cho, uh, you know, a bunch of folks. And that it, was a good one. It actually came out in 2020. I just, we didn't have Apple TV in 2020. And I, I liked it. You know, it, it really held my attention. And it really, I thought, showed diversity. Right. Where the Book of Queer... Somebody, I'm sure plenty of somebody's loved it. It wasn't my cup of tea. I was not perpetually amused. Like, I was like, ah, you know, when I cringe at stuff, and it takes a lot to make Mm -hmm. me cringe, but I was kind of cringing. I was like, I think it was like visible. Visible was more like this is gay by virtue of it being what it is. Whereas um, Book of Queer was like, what do you think of when you hear gay? Let's put that on the screen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it just, I don't know. I don't know. Like name a gay stereotype. They had it. They had it. And that was kind of like, yeah, whenever mm-hmm. we're sort of trotted out for entertainment, you know. But they also spent obviously a lot of money on it. So it's like. Mm. Right. And, you know, and I, I have, um, you know, I was a drag queen. Mm-hmm. I was. You know, but a lot of the trans community have uh, not a good relationship with drag. A lot of them. You know, so it's always an interesting question. And yet, I know a whole lot of trans people who still do drag. You know, in Philadelphia, that's always been common. Like, the longest-running drag show in the city is is run by a Black trans woman. I mean, she and she's been at the helm 30-something years at this point. Well, and I think it's different when when you talk about drag kings, because I still know a ton of drag kings who are also trans, and they start in the Mm -hmm. drag king community. It's a very different community than the queens. Um, Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And there's there's a whole discussion about how drag race has changed the drag community, too, which is an extensive one week and, and kind of almost making it heteronormative in the way they present and who wins and you know the the looks are very what unidimensional for most of the queens like true i agree 
and there are there are queens that come up that you know buck against that and mm -hmm. we're glad for them like the evie oddlies and and uh the crystal methods but um mm -hmm. you know and we also have um there's been more and more trans representation on drag race and there that's you know like feel however you want about Gia Gunn she was the first one on the show mm -hmm. to actually have the conversation about you know trans versus drag and where where does the differences lie and so you know it's yeah. there but at the same time it's not completely unproblematic right right no they there's it's such a complex area to get into. And unless you're dealing with people who are in that community and really understand it, I'm not sure how much of it translates out to people mm -hmm. who haven't participated in, in the drag scene. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's just it. It's like, you know, it's different from the inside than it is from the outside, you know, every, and that's always going to be true so. every dressing yeah. room i was ever in you know there were trans people there always were in philadelphia mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of crossover and there have always been you know it's always been racially diverse mm -hmm. you know, not always in in terms of history i mean mama les harrison was the first black drag queen to ever have their own show and that was what late 60s early 70s right. i think and and um Les primarily did Shirley Bassey and was just a, this mm -hmm. wonderful, wonderful drag queen for decades. Um, but, you know, that was a first that, yeah, came about, I want to say, in the 70s and, um, and, and was a touring show. I mean, I, I love drag culture. I think that there is a place for it. You know, I think for me, it was actually, it was, it was a reminder that I was trans um, because I wasn't out at the time. And uh, femininity for me is not performative. Masculinity is, you know? Mm -hmm. So lashes were not the performance. The performance was the jeans I walked in in. So, and, and I, it really. Right. You, know, you said that, you said that the drag for you was when you took everything off, now you were actually in drag. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, and, and, you know, and, and because I know so many different people from all over the trans community. You know, uh, we knew some who were militantly against drag and thought, you know, it's not, it's no good for, for us. It doesn't help us. That's everyone lumps us in. They think that, you know, trans is also a performance. They think, you know, my, my gender is, is just as performative as a drag show and I can just take it off. Um, so a lot of people won't go, don't go. I know, I know plenty of gay men who don't go to drag mm -hmm. shows. They're like, not my thing, not my thing at all. I'm like, fair, fair. And I get all that, but for me, the whole thing, and it's the reason why I love drag and drag race. I love the artistry. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I love. I love the creativity. Um, and yeah, there are problematic issues that, you know surround that but that's that's always been the draw for me yeah you he know? likes it i don't i don't watch it anymore just not my thing i had stopped watching for a while because um i i heard one too many stories about how rupaul is not a good person 
you know? And like, so I had this moratorium when watching the show. And then at some point I was like, eh, let's catch up and see what's happening. You're not watching new episodes. That don't count. <laughs> We're just going to bracket it. These years are okay. Right. Well, I, I, right. As and long as I'm behind, I'm good. But once you start hearing the stories and, you know, you listen yeah. to Race Chaser and different podcasts and yeah, there, there's a lot of mess there. And the contracts that those girls are asked to sign are just oh, obscene. That part. It's like, yeah. you know, give it, give your, it's your entire life for as long as they want to play with it. It's just crazy. And every time you make a reappearance, the clock starts over. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, you've got, yeah. got to really be out of it for what is it? Seven years or five years or something? That was eight. Something like that. And then you know, you can move on or whatever, but until then, World of Wonder has a piece of you, basically. Right. It's so weird. That's why so many of them are like, uh, you want to come back to All Stars? No, no, I do not. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I no, thank you, because of the clock. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, and in gay years, seven years is a long time. Also I know, that, right? My God. It's like, you're assuming a lot over here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Trust me. As I near 50 and I, I get that grandma gay thing going on because in our culture, like I'm, they're ready to retire me. You know, it's seven I years know. is a very long time. I know I was, I, I, I was going to pass my expiration date when we got together. I think, you know, it's, <laughs> and isn't that funny? You know, it, it was really funny. We met your listeners can't hear, but I just made a face and shook my head really slowly. It's true. <laughs> um, but you know, we had been regulars in the same bar, is is mm -hmm. basically what it came down to. <clears throat> Excuse me. The bar was um in a you know a, 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 in the storefronts of a high-rise, right? So it was on the corner, but that my office was in that high-rise. So, I mean, I could leave work. There was there was a back entrance to the restaurant and I could leave, step outside, but under under an awning and then step into this bar from work. Perfect. And they had fabulous wood oven pizza and they really interesting people. And anyway, we met in the beginning because Charles also, you know, he taught dance a block away and he just really liked the vibe there. So we would see each other frequently and just talk. And we talked all through the years. And I was married at the time. Right. You know, so it, there was nothing between us in any way other than good conversation. And, um, you know, fast forward 10 years and we're sitting there one evening and I, I was lamenting, just trying to date. At this point, you know, it's like, I don't even know, like, uh, fuck it and fuck men and fu just everything. I'm like, I, I'm just telling him how my experiences, you know, they were not good. They were not great. And he's like, are you ever going to ask me out? Because, you know, I'm awesome. I, you know. But it had never, uh, the reason it had never occurred to me was because I'm like, you know, we're, we're 10 years apart and you like you find me attractive like that was just blew me kind of blew me away at the time and i'm like well yeah sure but to me that age because in the queer community 
everybody, not everybody, obviously, but you know, they go younger. They want to go younger. They're not looking to have a debate partner. They're not looking for smart and approaching 50. They don't, not their thing. And that's what I found out. And it was really frustrating. Really frustrating. Meanwhile, I love smart. <laughs> yeah. And I do too. You know, I never Brains thought my are second, sexy. Yeah. I never thought my, my second marriage was going to end. You know, I really mm-hmm. never did. And so, I think part of it was just the shock of that. Like, do you know how many people like instantly turn me off? I'm like, yeah, I don't read books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Go away. Yeah, go away. <laughs> See, I, I'm with, with John Waters on that. If you go home with somebody and they don't have books, don't fuck them. Right. Right. It's a solid I love rule. Him, by the way, he's wonderful. Oh, I my have God. met him. I've gotten to yeah. spend a little time with him. My, my sister mama friend is Elizabeth Coffey Williams who was in four of his films. And so in the before times, right? But I probably was 2019. We went to his Christmas show um, when he was in Philadelphia. And then, and she's, of course, we got to go backstage. And the, uh, what is his name? Prince, Um, Clayton Prince, who is the original Seaweed. He was also there Mm -hmm. and in the audience. So I got to meet him as well from Hairspray. And we just, you know, it wasn't a really long time, probably 20 minutes, half hour, but that we just got to talk with John. And I was like, I love this guy. I just love this guy. And we talked a lot about identity, right? So we talked, we were talking kind of about neo pronouns and we were talking about, uh, which I, I can never follow. God love the kids that I have that, that choose them. I'm like, I will try, but you're probably going to get your first name, my love. And you're going to get my love a lot, but you're you're not likely to teach me, sir. You know, like I'm not, because there's too many of you and one of me and I'm old. So we got to find a place where we're okay with that. But we were talking about that, but we were also talking about, so the Dreamlanders, right? They were this group of people now in their 70s, roughly. And, and older, who just kind of came together in Baltimore. They were the queers, the freaks. You know, Elizabeth, here's this trans woman, you know, and John, who's this gay man, who's this wildly creative gay man, and, and Mink Stoll, and there's all these people who were, mm-hmm. it's like, we used to find each other. Now, did some of those people fuck each other? I'm sure they did. They used to pass oh, yeah. each other around. I was like, I was fascinated by the conversation between top and bottom. And I was in a bar and it's this whole thing started. I'm like, I'm like, when did this happen? And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, seriously, when did this happen? Because we always were just like happy to find somebody that we we're kind of attracted to. And then we figured it out when we got wherever we were going. I I don't ever remember that as part of the, the criteria, you know? the penetration was not always involved, you know, like whatever. We just, we figured out how to have fun. I think and sometimes internet. a queer went home with a lesbian and so, you know, a, a gay man and a lesbian. I'm like, Oh my God, there's so much attraction here. So much chemistry. And yeah, they hooked up. It happens. Like people fuck each other. It happens. But I was just so fascinated because this guy's like, I'm a power bottom. And I'm like, I'm sorry. What, what does that mean? 
I blame the internet. It started with I don't know. AOL and and ASL and and then top bottom cut uncut and then you know it just and now when you can order dick like pizza off your phone, you know mm-hmm. everything is so Yeah, and that that was the other thing. So, you know, 2011, 2012 when we got together, you know, I had spent some time like trying to figure out the dating apps and all that. I was like, that is what they think they're doing, like placing an order. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that, you know, you know, I, I would read their list of wants and I'm like, yeah, this is not someone um, yeah. I even want to know. Yeah, my joke is longstanding joke was, you know, when you do the hookup apps, you do it like you do takeout, you know, do I want Italian, Mexican, Chinese, right. and right. you order it when you want it there and ready to go. And you, what's your spice level? You don't mind a hepatitis risk, you know, it's Ooh, yeah, right. that's why you do it. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, yeah, good old days of Craigslist back page. Uh, and that what back page was, um, you know, you talk about unintended consequences. I mean, I, I know several sex workers who were made less safe mm-hmm. when that went away. Because it really was a, a way lot. for them to screen. It was a way for them not to be out on the street and still, you know, be able to 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 make a living. But their safety was really put in jeopardy. And I'm like, I, you know, it, I was learning at that point, and they explained it to me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, shit, why did we do that? And they're like, well, why do we do a lot of things? It's the same thing that is the push on all the trans laws now. Is it's this moral panic. Politicians are making laws about shit that they don't understand, that they think they do, and they they all think they're fucking Liam Neeson, and they've got this special set of skills that they're going to rescue you from this horror, uh, but they don't understand it, and they don't talk to the people it impacts. They right. don't no care. No kidding. Or the doctors who treat us and write the W path, the doctors who have treated us for years. Like, you know, we have empirical data. We have a lot of it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and... Th- these folks know what they're talking about and we're not including them. I mean, they are testifying. Families are testifying. Kids are getting up there. There's so much courage out there right now today. And then the Republicans will all still vote for their stupid, ill-written, ill-conceived law. And then it goes to court (laughs) and it's going to go off to court. You know, like Texas is, I think, still under an injunction for that bullshit. And Texas had tried it through the legislature six ways to Sunday, and it all got struck down. So then the governor and the attorney general put their heads together and said, uh, well, well, let's do this by edict. Then let's fuck with the parents of trans people. Yes. They say everything's bigger in Texas, including the fuckery. Yeah, yep. no kidding. That's no kidding. And that's, you know, a big part of why I do a lot of what I do is I want to keep these kids alive. Mm-hmm. That's why we do it. I want to keep them alive. Yesterday was uh, March 15th and uh, my friend Jenica, it was her birthday. Unfortunately, um, uh, we lost Jenica uh, during the pandemic. We yeah. lost her in May of, uh, of 2020 at her own hand. Mm-hmm. And um 
I, I carry that. I, in fact, I wear her ashes, um, you know, especially to special events or things that I would have gone with her if she was still here with me. And then I, and I yell at her and call her stupid bitch and stuff. And like, look at what you're missing. Look at what you're missing. But it's hard. And that's, you know, it's one of the things that drives me um, to try to check in, you know, to check in mm-hmm. with my kids and to let, let them know. I mean, some of them are not children by any stretch, but let them know, you know, you can always DM me. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You can DM me. You can text me. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm busy, it's going to take me a minute to get back to you. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but you always care. And that was the same conversation I had told you about with you need better lesbians. I said, I'm going to tell all of you, you need trans friends, Mm -hmm. you know, to navigate this world. And, um, you know, I just got a job, like a job job. And Mm -hmm. I have been sending out resumes forever because we just like, we need some legitimacy, you know what I mean? And right before I finally had great, had success. I had a really, I just, it was a dark moment. It was mm-hmm. a bitchy, stupid moment. But I, I turned to Charles and I said, I think I need to scrub all the queer and trans out of my resume and dead name myself. And I'll bet you I get hired. And he started to cry. Mm-hmm. He's like, I never want that to happen. And now I have two problems. I'm in this funk and I'm angry. And he's hurt. So now I'm sitting here with two problems. I called Elizabeth, as I often do. And she cackled at me. Cackled at me. Everybody needs, you know, a seasoned trans woman in their lives. (laughs) Facts. (laughs) And she said, what what do you think is you're going to wipe your makeup off and you're a boy again? And you sit like what the fuck are you? T- and then she, and she's like, where are you putting your tits, honey? And I'm like, what are you going to bind now? She's like, knock it off. And I was like, I needed that. I needed that mm-hmm. dose of reality. Like, are you, will you stop with the sad sack bullshit and just go, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I really did. I had to to um i changed the focus of the jobs that i was mm-hmm. looking into and if they didn't if it wasn't queer advocacy in some way i didn't even apply because what was the point and you know i honed in on two jobs and they both called me for an interview and then when i went in person they hired me on the spot i don't think that's ever happened to me they didn't even leave the room you know the two people that I'm going to be working most, you know, closest with, one looked at the other and said, I love her. And the other one said, I love her too. And they were like, we want to offer you the job. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. All these months, all mm-hmm. this strife, all this prayer, seriously, like something's got to give. And boom, one Monday afternoon. And he kept saying, you're going to get the job. You're going to come home with the job. And I'm like, nobody does that, Okay. We'll see how it goes. And I came home with the job. Like I called him shocked because I went, I um, I just got hired. Like uh-huh. I'm hired. I start next week. Congratulations. Thank That's you. Wonderful. And, it, you know, it is doing advocacy. 
Um, it's Meanwhile, work- I was not surprised at all. I was like, I, I've met you. I know you've got this. I'm- yeah, it's it's really <laughs> helping to build a program within an existing recovery organization. They finally said, yo, we should focus on the queers. And it's yeah. really building up that program, uh, it, you know, with working right beside a, th- a really cool therapist. And she's the one who initially called me. You know, we made the connection. And um, things can change that quickly. And, you know, I use, I, this is another story I'm going to hold and use often because it's like, yeah, do. You get to the end of the rope where it's all frayed. Do tie that knot and do hold on and keep going. And it's the one thing I said to, you know, we had so much art in the bar that we owned. We had so many young artists come through and we had an open mic night and and they were just great. And and they would, you know, kind of open up and talk about the struggles of being an artist and trying to pay your rent. And, and I would say, you have if they had talent, I would never lie. Never lie about time. right, yeah, yeah. But if they really had talent, I would say keep going. You mm-hmm. you have something special. You have a presence. You have a voice. You have a distinction that I think is important, and I love watching you. I, but you have to keep going, you know, because I can't promise you it's all going to be uh, downhill. Yeah, you know, and I can't promise you the sun's going to shine the day you need it to shine, but it will shine again. It will. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so this this week has been like now I'm scrambling to get all this this crap done to start working on Monday, you know. And it's like wow, mm-hmm. this is a whole new day, you know. And we still will podcast and we still will do the things we do. And I have I will have three day weekends to to take in the arts and and all that. But yeah, it's 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 a big it's it's kind of a seismic shift. Uh, but it's already work that I was volunteering to do. Now I actually get a paycheck. So cool. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you want to plug the podcast and all the things? Sure. So uh, you can please take the time to follow, like, and subscribe. Full Circle, the podcast with Charles Tyson Jr. and Martha Madrigal. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, five stars or more, please. <laughs> uh, we are at Full Circle Pod on Twitter, Full Circle The Pod on Instagram, Full Circle The Podcast on TikTok. It was all based on what was available when I signed up. Just go to our link tree, linktree.com uh, slash full circle the pod. All of our socials are there. We have uh, links that live there, like uh, Lambda Legal. Uh, the Trevor Project and things like the ACLU, because those are always going to be relevant. Uh, all of Martha's socials, I, Martha Madrigal, everywhere. Uh, her writing can be found at I am Martha Madrigal.wordpress.com. Um, I am at Never Scurred everywhere. And yeah, that's 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 all of our stuff. We've got some really interesting interviews in the works. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, I, it's it's fun. We're having a good time. Yeah, I'm excited about 2023. Excellent, excellent. And listeners, be sure to check all those out. We'll have the links up in the show notes. And remember to like, follow, and subscribe. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. This was really fun. Yeah.
And now, a moment of gratitude. Well, I, yeah, you, this, the same, I say the same thing literally every night before I go to bed. I say I'm grateful for Martha and our life together. I'm grateful for our friends, family, and loved ones. I'm grateful for our house, our home, our comfortable bed. I'm grateful for the creative and financial opportunities that keep coming our way, that increase in in frequency and 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 monetary value. That's my little way of nudging the universe, you know. <laughs> and um, love, laughter, happiness, joy, fun, and sex. Every <laughs> night, I say the same. He's got thing. he's got it down. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. I always I believe that the way the universe works is the more you express gratitude, the more the universe gives you things to be grateful for. I believe that. And it can be really hard sometimes. It can be really hard to say, I'm grateful, but I'm also tired. Oh, yeah. I'm grateful, but my trauma is showing. You know, it's, 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 um, we get those moments and, you know, um, well, I also, I keep, I, I, I have been holding tight to that sentiment. We have a 100% success rate of getting through the toughest day of our life. Yeah. And we're still here. Right. Um, so. Yeah. And I, I, and I am grateful for that. You know, I, I am always grateful for Charles. I am grateful for this home that we share. Um, that, you know, this is where I grew up. This is a, a house my father built with his hands. And it's the house I couldn't wait to get out of when I was 22. Couldn't wait to leave. When my mother first died, I couldn't be here by myself. Couldn't even be in this space. So I'm really grateful that now it's a place I want to be. You know, that it, it's become, you know, we love it. We're surrounded by the things that we love and cherish. And our, you know, our Pomeranian and our two cats. And, but, you know, I, I have to take time each day to also tell myself I'm grateful for me. You know, I'm grateful to keep being me. I'm grateful that I keep finding ways to be more loving toward myself, you know, um, because I have so much more to give. And when you are filling your own cup from the moment you wake up, just just even just saying, I love you, you really fucked that up, but I love you. But I love you. Two um, things can be true at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I that idea of gratitude, that's that's newer for me to sob and say, you know, he reminds me all the time how much he loves me he reminds me all the time you know i think you're smart i think you're beautiful i think you you know because I'll, I'll do my makeup and i eh, comes out all right and i'll be like well good as it gets and he's like what are you talking about you're stunning and i'm like yeah whatever all right thank you and i do i i have learned to say thank you and i've learned to appreciate that i don't always feel it I don't, but I'm I'm working on it. And that's so, fair. I get that part. Yeah. I'm grateful that I am working on it because, you know, he relies on that, that I will. And um that helps. That helps. And and friends. We've got some we've got some of the best friends I 
could ever ask for. And they, they hold me up. They hold me up because I'm a lot. And I know it. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Please like, subscribe, and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. If we like your review, we may even read it online. This has been an Auntie Vice production. Producer and host, Rebecca Blanton. Audio production by Sharon Smith. Music by David Manga. And more music by Sharon Smith. For more information about Fat Chicks on Top, please visit our website for all things Fat Chicks at fatchicksontop.com.